You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Hello, and thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast, recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal, Sanders. I'm your good buddy, Liv. And if you are keeping score at home, this is episode 102. Happy Memorial Day edition. Uh, yeah, happy Memorial Day. Um, Which, this, one thing, can we say that about Memorial Day? What, happy um, Memorial Day? One thing that really grinds my gears about Memorial Day is all the people, like you'll see it on Twitter and Facebook this Monday, Thanks for all the people who served. It's like, that's not what Memorial Day is about. That's what Veterans Day is about. Memorial right. Day is for the people that lost their lives. Correct. In, in memoriam. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. If we you're gonna... probably even, we might have covered this last year. Okay, so <laughs> that's funny you say that because there's, there's, a few, there's a few hallowed traditions that the two sorry excuses have carved out. Uh, one of them is that it's like the airing of the grievances. Yes. You know what I mean? One of them is definitely um, is the telling of the um, 1998 Halloween story. Yes. Right, that every the, Halloween. The Halloween 1997. Halloween 1997. Yes. Yes. Uh, the other is to recount all of the glorious crock pot recipes that were cooked <laughs> at DeSantis Thanksgiving yes. in the Poconos. Yes, yes. Right? And the third, and perhaps my favorite, <laughs> is the grinding of the gears on Memorial Day slash... The retelling of the Bunker Hill Memorial Day Miracle bus ride. Ah, yes. yes. <laughs> so Memorial let's Day Miracle. <laughs> so let's <laughs> hold on to that. Let's hold on to that. That's what we call a tease in the business, kids. Yes, yes, you yes. Stick with us for the next, you know, I'm going to say 56 minutes or so. At the end of this episode, we will tail off with the, the retelling of the bunker, right? The Charlestown yes, Memorial Day yes, Miracle. Yes. <laughs> oh, Jesus, man. That's the first time I've laughed all day. <laughs> that is good stuff, dude. That is good stuff. Today is the first day, quote unquote, of my vacation. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. First day you off. It. The first day off since, uh, since the beginning of April. When I took that trip up to Beantown, um, which happened to be the best trip that I had taken, the best burger I'd ever eaten, <laughs> you know, the most relaxing Sunday I've ever had, the best birthday party I'd ever gone to. So naturally, we were going. I was going downhill. Life was destined to go downhill on a toboggan after that because it didn't get much better than that weekend. Um, however, it's uh, you know we've listen. If you've listened to this podcast, you've I've detailed the grind uh, that I've been involved in over the last six weeks or so. But today starts a little mini vacation. Uh, unplugged my phone. I had a meeting this morning uh, until about eleven o'clock, um, and then after that, I unplugged my phone. But this is the first time I sat down all day. <laughs> is this what vacations are all about? It's been so uh, long since I've taken one. Yeah, I don't know because. I technically don't get vacation. 
In fact, today, uh, this will be the sixth time, the sixth Memorial Day that that has come, occurred while working at the law factory that I work at. Correct. And today, I come down there like in the afternoon and uh, the boss's secretary, she's like, oh, Matt, by the way, uh, we... We, Memorial Day, we have off. It's a holiday this Monday. I was like, oh, <laughs> really? I was like, oh, oh okay, well, that's great. And but I was like, I don't want to say anything else because I don't want to jinx it because this is the sixth Memorial Day that I've been there for, and this is the first time he's ever given us a holiday. Right, right. <laughs> he just well, he doesn't mention it, right? And it- Well, he usually doesn't mention holidays, yes. And, and he doesn't mention them because he – I guess he thinks people will just forget about him. <laughs> it's like, we all know it's a holiday coming up. Memorial Day, he always made people work, which was stupid. Because nothing's Be- open, right? Yeah, you it's can't a- get any business done. You know? I mean, we worked Columbus Day, but I understand that because a lot of people work Columbus Day down here, you know? You yeah. can't take off all the federal holidays. But on Columbus Day, I remember he was trying to call the Department of Labor. And he was trying to close out a case for some other attorney and it and they're talking to him I was like I can't get him either I was like I was like it's a federal office it's Columbus Day because like, <laughs> uh, yeah. no one no one down here really even thinks about Columbus Day right right you know I mean you know if you work for like the state you know or like the uh Orleans courts or whatever you know the um the court system here, the local court system, those people probably all know the federal holidays because they take off at any chance they get. They right. get all the federal holidays <laughs> plus the local holidays. They they just take off for anything. You know, the rule used to always be was schools would get off on, you know, they'd give up getting off on Columbus Day because they were getting off from Mardi Gras or All Saints Day or something like that, you know? Yeah. But that's not the way it works with the court system here. It's like if it's any type of holiday, they're taking it off. Right. Right. Yeah. Not like they're working so hard to begin with. That I'll tell you what, man. That's there are two there are two directions that I would have gone if I could go back in time and and talk to a young Sandman and given him some advice. And and maybe they're both on the same track, but definitely pay more attention to retirement benefits. Oh yeah, I know. I, I had the sweetest deal ever. Um, when I worked at the Northeast Conference, they had a f- 100% contribution on my behalf. Whatever the maximum amount was allowed, they made it. Yeah. On my behalf. I didn't have to contribute anything. It was, it was a pension. It was a oh, legitimate okay. pension. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, the other was work for... A government entity. Okay. Because I, that's who I deal with now, and I see those folks, and I'm like, they're no smarter than me, and they get out of here at 3.30. No, I know that's default, a good deal, but it does – I mean, they do have a sweet deal, but I'm just so – I mean, while it's a sweet deal and I wish I could take advantage of it, I guess, I'm so against that whole system to begin with because I think it's so unnecessary – wasteful and expensive no doubt i agree with you 100 <laughs> percent. however if it exists and somebody's yeah. gonna take advantage of it like I, it should be me like 
you know, maybe we shouldn't get into this if Girk ever listens, but like the whole idea of public employee unions and their pension benefits, which are way more generous than anybody in the private sector. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny because I come from a family of civil servants. Yes. Um, my, you know, my parents, my, my mom's family is all cops. Yeah, yeah. And well, those guys have the most handsome pensions because, you know, even like in Wisconsin where they were gone against all the public pensions, they're never gone after the cop pensions. Cops and firefighters up there because it's like a third rail. Right. <laughs> so, so when people talk shit about, like, I was at an event recently. Yeah. Um, where the town, which was Long Branch, which was where, you know, my parents grew up, where my grandmother, um, lived her entire life, where my uncle still resides and just retired as a police detective, homicide detective, crime yeah. scene, cr- crime scene guy. Uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, the you know the 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 health inspectors come in. Oh, you know, government's got to get their hand in everything. We had to pay fifty dollars for the health um, license, temporary health license, and he's got to come here and bust our balls. Blah blah blah. And I, and I don't say anything because, to be honest, I think I think that's really superfluous to have. Who is complaining the, about the health inspector? The the people who are working my event. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, the employees, the pe- the woman who runs the food tent, whatever. Um, and, like, I get her point, you know? I don't want to be, like, you know, I don't want to throw cold water on her just because I have a relationship to, you know, the civil servants of that town. Yeah. In theory, I understand what she's saying, you know? Um, and the, the other group, if if Girk isn't going to listen, we might as well go to the other group, is the, is the teachers' union, who I am also very, very sympathetic with. Yeah. In, a, in addition to having that union have paid my health insurance uh, for many years, and Josh and his wife are our teachers, um, and Jeremy's wife was a teacher. Like I'm very, and my great grandfather was a principal in a town. Like so, those are the two driving forces in my in you know, in my history, in my family yeah, history. Yeah. So I'm super sympathetic to them. However, I understand the issue people have with public employee pensions and um, and bloated government, etc. But today I heard something that made me even crazier. Because in my opinion, with those two with those two sectors, public yeah. education and and uh, and fire and police. I I'm willing to pay into that system as long as it's not broken because I want qualified people. I want people who are overly qualified for those jobs doing those jobs. And if it means I have to pay more to have people in those positions, then I'll live with that. Yeah, well, bad what, news because you pay a lot and. And, 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 and that's not. not the situation. Right. And, you and, can't, th- and the problem is they have unions that makes it – it's really hard to fire police. It's really hard to fire teachers. Well, that's you the know, problem. That's the problem. They protect the bad ones. And, and, and all of the – and I'm going to say quote-unquote good teachers I know because the majority of the teachers I know are the good yeah, teachers. Yeah, of course. Will tell you that they get just as frustrated with their unions as the public does. and. Yeah. 
I know that on the police and fire side, they get just as frustrated with their unions to some extent. Not as much as the as the teachers, but but definitely to some extent. The problem is union is big business now. Yep. Being a union delegate, being a union um, uh, official, it, it's almost like a nonprofit these days. Like yes, technically, a nonprofit is a company that is using their funds to do some good without accumulating value in the yeah. brand itself. But you know, they're they're big business. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like it was in the 50s. You know, if you were a member of a union in the 50s, if you were a nonprofit organization in the 50s, like that's what we have, or at least that I have. That's what I picture when, I, when I'm talking about those entities. But that's not the case anymore. And, and that's why we're where we're, we're, we're we are. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, a lot of these towns and stuff you hear about that are broke you know a lot of them are broke because a uh i mean it's a kind of like a two-pronged thing you know they their prospects dried up and then on top of it because like that's what happened to like flint michigan for example uh you know at one time it was very prosperous they had lots of industry there lots of people so they had all these really great public pen- pension benefits. Well, the friggin' business dries up. People move because that's what happens. People move where the jobs are. So they move out of Flint. Well, Flint can't friggin' um, – they can't satisfy what they owe on these pensions. So they're all poor and gone bankrupt because they don't have the people to uh, – the tax base to support – the amount of money they owe in the pensions anymore because the pensions that they were getting were way more generous than pensions that regular people get, you know, in yeah, the private sector. The problem, though, that I have is that people turn on the teachers as if any individual would not have negotiated in that position. Any any individual in that position would not would not have negotiated to secure those rights. That's on the politicians and and the school boards and the elected officials who are mismanaging those negotiations and mismanaging those pension funds. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eventually somewhere along the line, you know, people teachers were were severely underpaid, you know, in the 50s and 60s and they were an underrepresented group and it was mostly women and and those who can't you know, those who can do, those who can't teach, that kind of thing. And somewhere along the line, they wanted to up the stakes and say, okay, here's how we are going to increase the allure of this particular profession. And we're going to throw money into this benefit fund. And we're going to throw money into this. We're going to throw money into that. That's just a bad business decision on, on the part of the town or on the part of the city or part of the, uh, on part of the local officials. So, like... If if in the private sector or public sector, if I come to you with a sweetheart deal, what's your obligation to say? You know what? That that's nice of you to give me that, but I'm gonna not take that. I'm gonna negotiate down. No, you always negotiate up. Yeah, and you find a, you find the spot that that works. So, 
you know, it's a little hindsight twenty. I mean, I don't think people would be as adverse to it if they didn't have this, A, the negative perception that a lot of the public schools suck in general. And then on top of it, there is the common perception, which that it's that there's a lot of friggin' bad teachers and it is hard to get rid of them, you know? Yeah. So you don't get a lot of sympathy from stuff like that. Like when you hear about like, like New York city's got a thing called the rubber room because they have teachers, they can't fire them. So they keep coming to work every day, but they don't want them to teach. So they, they have basically this setup where they got teachers that come in. They just chill out all day. Like, at some facility somewhere, I don't know, because they're too bad of teachers to be trusted to teach children, yet they just can't get rid of them because the the contract is just too strong to get rid of them, you know? Which is an obvious flaw in, in any system where you yeah. can't remove the lowest performing individuals, but at the same time, like that, I know about that rubber room, but when you when you when you boil down the numbers, it's a hand, literally a handful of individuals over a population of hundreds. No, I mean you know? obviously it is, but I mean you look at any other job. If you're if you're if you suck at doing a job like you know if you suck at flipping burgers, you just lose your job flipping burgers. They don't have you come there and hang out in the back because they need to. You know, yeah, and that, no, that shit pisses people off. That's all that's there is. That's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. But at the same, at the same token, if, <laughs> if I'm dissatisfied with my compensation or if I'm dissatisfied with any element of my at-will job, I give them two weeks' notice and I'm, I'm off either, you know, sailing to Bermuda or I'm taking another high-paying job. Like, what if all of a sudden in the public school system these – parents whose kid you know third graders in school and then the third grade teacher says up oh, you know what i'm getting a better job you know down the street or i'm getting out of this profession well they're not you getting know. a better job down the street because they know they got freaking ridiculous benefits waiting for right them. but if you <laughs> if you're gonna give them the if, you, if you're doing that private sector switch then what if that classroom is turning over every three months because the at-will employment gives them the opportunity to do that those same parents are gonna bitch that they're not getting a consistent they're not getting a consistent um you know, presence in the classroom because the teacher's leaving, but hey, that's what you can do in the private sector, so why shouldn't you be able... You, it's two different systems, so to compare the two, I always find is a flawed... Well, I'm not comparing you know? the two truth uh, exactly, but no. it's the whole idea of getting rid of people that suck. That's the one thing between any system that should be able to be done. Yeah, You no, know, hell, even in the NFL, which has a union, and sports, you can cut a guy, you know? The, uh, I mean, and, the idea and I that people got a, the idea that they're entitled to their employment is ridiculous. And it's the same way, like, you know, how hard it is to get rid of a cop. How hard it is to get rid of anybody that works. And even civil servants, which is ridiculous that they have unions. The whole idea of civil servant service used to be, oh, well, you're not going to get as good of a deal as you are in, uh, if you were in the private sector. But but you're going to be guaranteed work and it's going to be, you know, and 
you're probably not going to get fired because it's hard to get fired. Now they have unions for it, and they get paid pretty decently, and then they get better benefits than other people. It's like, why Why do they have unions, you know? Like, the whole system was set up, you know, where you were foregoing what you would get in private business, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think... Like, I'm not think even this- talking... This isn't just cops. This is... This is the other people I'm talking about more so, you know. I'm, yeah, yeah, sure. Like like DPW like the, workers and like the like what is probably the largest one of the largest segments of the population in this country is people that work for government entities. <laughs> you know? Oh you no no doubt that's that's <laughs> the largest. The Pentagon is the is the single largest employer single, single largest office building in the country. Yeah, I mean, you know what? All I need to know about how much money's wasted on government is for the past, like, 10 years, you know, they had the recession. Everything was going to crap everywhere else. You know what area keeps getting wealthier, though? What area of the country, which region, which metropolitan area? Oh, sure, D.C. Yes. Yeah, of course. You think those people are making, you think most of those people are making their money off a legitimate private enterprise? No, no. no. Most of it's not. being related to uh, even the people people who are wealthy. It's related to government contracts and stuff like that. You know, so See, it's all related to taxpayer money. Th- there's two. There's two reasons why we can fall on the same side of of that coin. Is even with me carving out exceptions for for teachers and cops and and firemen. Because yeah. one, I one, I think that those are special cases, and two. I, I agree wholeheartedly with you about the bloated government in general. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I heard today that really kind of ruffles my feathers. What do you, what do you got over there, buddy? Oh. <laughs> Swanson's TV dinner? What's that? No, it's this fucking antenna. <laughs> <laughs> All right, focus. It's a constant battle. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> What are you, what, your antenna for what? Your TV? Yeah, it's one of those flat ones, you know, like the ones you put in the window and it's a, it's a constant fucking battle to are keep you, it up and freaking find watch? the sweet spot and everything, you know, it just annoys me. What are you All right, I'm watch? done with it. I'm yeah, done what are you trying to watch? What? What it's, were you trying to watch? There was a channel that used to always come in perfectly. It's the one that shows Seinfeld and shit, and now it doesn't come in, and it pisses me off. You know, what I really need to do is just put an antenna on the roof. Yeah, yeah, but what, what, at 8.22 while recording our podcast, 24 minutes into our podcast, what, what caught your attention, Br'er Rabbit? The fucking week or no signal thing that popped up on my TV. So what were you watching? That's my question. I guess. Well, nothing. I wasn't even watching anything on the station. <laughs> I just had it on, it but that shit you. pissed me off. It just got you pissed? All right. Well, take a yeah. deep breath. Take a deep breath. Because it's a constant fucking battle. You know? I it's understand. Like, it's I like understand. you put, you get one thing right, you get them all right. It's like the one channel that was fucked up, and then that one's fixed, and then another one's fucked up. There's no perfect freaking spot for it and then i don't know if change of atmospheric conditions as we're gone from spring-like weather to now we're getting into the freaking hot weather if that has something to do with it too but i think it might you know sure 
Sure. So whatever. Let's go back to our public affairs program. <laughs> <laughs> this is the point where where I hope Girk actually tunes out because um, there that was Sanders a- liver carry report. <laughs> <laughs> there was a uh, there was a um, news report on my NPR station. Well, so it's not an NPR station. Have we covered that? It's a public radio station, but not. But it's not an NPR. Affiliate. It's not an NPR affiliate. They they do run the NPR news at the top of the hour, though. Yeah, but they don't have like next and all things considered. No, 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 no. It's all local programming. Um, there was a rally in. Uh, I don't know where it was. It was the McDonald's shareholders meeting, the annual McDonald's shareholders meeting. Oh yes, and the people pro- shareholders meeting. People protested outside of it today for unfair wages. They want yeah. their minimum wage to be fifteen dollars in all corporate McDonald's. <laughs> fifteen dollars. Yes. And of course, of course, they interview the one person that just gives you no sympathy for their cause, right? Yeah. They're 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 misquoting facts and they're, you know, generally misguided in their in their viewpoint. Um, and they're talking about how McDonald's is a multi billion dollar corporation and they should be, you know, they should get part of that. And. The, the first step is being a $15 an hour employee. But there's two, there's two problems with that. Is one, if you want to be part of a company that, that provides revenue share, a multi-million dollar, a multi-billion dollar company that provides revenue share, go find that company. They exist. Yeah. Starbucks is one of those companies. You can get a job at a company, an entry-level job that will give you benefits and that will give you some type of incentive, employee-owned concept. Yeah go, f- yeah. go find it. If that's really important for you, go find it. Secondly, these minimum wage jobs, of course you cannot sustain a family. You can't... Your quality of living is going to be diminished, but these minimum wage jobs... Are meant to be springboard jobs, yeah, not, well, not career choices. Well, that's the problem. These jobs are supposed to be for teenagers, basically. You know, like it was supposed to. That's it's still mostly that. You know, and the thing is, they're raising the fifteen dollars an hour. You think they're going to hire inexperienced teenagers to work at these places? I read an article, or okay, I didn't read an article. I saw a headline on Reddit. <laughs> I read a BuzzFeed listicle, <laughs> and it said that um, you know a former uh, McDonald's CEO was asked, and he said, "If fifteen dollar minimum wage comes into effect, it will be more cost effective to uh, to build thirty thousand dollar." Machines. I think that's what it was. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. The kiosk. And you have a few people in the back making the stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's going to come down to. I mean, I think... Um, what is it? Wendy's was already trying to do something like that, apparently. I'm trying to find the article. I'm not... I didn't go... But I, that's, I, that's the problem with it. It's going to... It's going to... It's going to hurt high school kids from getting experience working. 
You know, that's well, the problem. It, it's also going to hurt me as the consumer. Well, of course it's going to hurt you as the consumer because it's not like you can keep the prices the same when it's $15 an hour. If you make the minimum wage $15 an hour, that's going to make everything more expensive. And eventually $15 an hour is going to be seen as sucking because if you're paying fast food workers $15 an hour, you're going to have to pay everybody else friggin' twice what they were making before. <laughs> Do you know, it's, you know what's so funny is that um, a lot of people don't like to talk about about finances and, and, and personal finances and salaries and stuff. I've never cared about it. I, I, I've made a solid I – don't, I don't know what a solid six figures, but I've, I didn't make a high six-figure salary, but I made a pretty good substantial into the six figures salary at one point yes. in my life. And then I delivered breakfasts or lunches to doctor's offices because I was dirt poor. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been everywhere, and and I'm certainly not in the middle right now. But my my deal with with um with the consulting company that I'm working with it's it's twenty five bucks an hour. Yeah, when I started working, I'm a lawyer. Right now, you know, I I mean, when I started working there with those guys five years ago. The agreement was $20 an hour. And you know what? That's pretty much what the rate is for, like, contract attorneys around town. Yes. And these are people with friggin' advanced degrees. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> now, because of my hard work, because of my dedication, because I have not had a day off in, you know, in, in eight weeks or whatever it is, I'm now in a position to renegotiate my contract. I had zero. I was playing five card stud with four card hand. Now I'm playing with a five card hand now. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to go to the table and I'm going to negotiate what is a reasonable next step in discussion. And you know what? If it's not reasonable to him, then I'm going to go. I have two choices. I can take it for less than I think it's worth. Or I can go out and find something else. But yeah. that's my ability. I, I have I have the opportunity to do that. So does every other member of the American workforce. Yep, it's the labor market. So McDonald's isn't paying you fifteen bucks. You're the manager of McDonald's and you're making eight dollars. And you feel that's unfair, and McDonald's is a multi-billion-dollar corporation, and you want to get out there. You know what? If you're good at your job, go to Applebee's, become an yeah. assistant manager. Well, at I Applebee's. think the managers are making more. The issue is the people that are there, you know, doing the regular jobs. But those jobs were never meant to be a career. You know, the problem is the people that are supporting this stuff. They just want to keep changing what it was about. Years ago, the problem was. Oh, there's McJobs, and they shouldn't be working. People shouldn't be working at these jobs. You know, that's the problem. It's become the McJob economy. We need real jobs. Now it's like, no, people, the same people that were making an argument are like, this is people's careers. They should be paying them $15 an hour. You know, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's like, no, this isn't anybody's career. It sucks when people are in that situation. But still, the vast majority of work, People work in these places are younger than 25, and they're not there to be there forever, you know? You're now, there to, to, like, 
kids when you go in there. It's like a 16, 17-year-old kid who's in high school who's looking, you know, to make some money. And also it gives him some work ethic or whatever. They Those kids aren't thinking, I'm going to be at McDonald's forever, you know. But, you know, you're going to raise it to $15 an hour. You're not going to be able to to pay that kid because the reason the minimum wage exists the way it is is because – well, it's affordable to hire somebody that doesn't know what the hell they're doing at seven and a quarter, you know, as opposed to 15. Then what are you going to do? You're going to pay some kid $15 an hour, you know, say he's in there for an eight-hour shift, $128, and he just keeps fucking up because he's a kid, you know? Right, right. Like, you're not going to do that like because that's the problem. That's the problem with minimum wage. The reason minimum wage was invented was to get around that. The minimum wage was invented because when when black people were leaving the South, the diaspora, a hundred years ago, whatever, and they had all these factory jobs up in the Midwest and in the Northeast and stuff. All the people, all those people were like, well, fuck, we need to, we need to have a minimum wage because they realized the reality of it is. Well, if there was no minimum wage, of course a company would hire somebody with less skills that they can pay less now, you know? And that's why the minimum wage was invented, was to keep all of these black people that were moving up north from getting their jobs, basically. You know? I mean, that's what it's there for, and that's the same effect it will have on inexperienced 16, 15 to 18 year old kids, you know? So if that's going to be the concept, if that, if that's going to be the new norm, right? That yes. You can, you can back into these minimum skill menial jobs and, and, and make that a living. Then there's got to be a replacement for that for the experience that these upwardly mobile individuals, the kids, are losing, right? Yeah. Because that was their springboard. I, I caught cable cars at Six Flags Great Adventure for minimum wage. You yeah. know, I took the test to become a ride operator, so I got an extra quarter. And you're not quarter. there for the salary. You're there for the money a little bit because it gives you some coin, but it's also more for the experience of working. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And and that's what it was about. My mom never said, go out and get a job so you can afford to pay X, Y, and Z. No, she was like, go get a job. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. It's your, it's your time to go have a job. And whatever that was. She didn't ask me how much it was. She didn't ask me to do a, ba- a profit and loss balance sheet to make sure that me driving to the place was going to be, you know, was going to be outweighed by the compensation that I was making. No, she just wanted me out in the workforce, right? And I got into the workforce. I made minimum wage. I took a took a test. I got an extra quarter an hour. I decided to work night shift. That was an extra quarter an hour. I became one of the ride um, supervisors. That's an extra dollar. You know, so I, I, I worked my way up. Yeah. But it wasn't about getting those extra quarters or the extra dollars per hour, it was about building a skill set, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we're we're pushing those we're pushing those kids out of those opportunities. Yeah, you're pushing them out of it. So know? they've gotta they've they need something else to give them the opportunity to figure out how to be 
you know, a productive member of the labor force, how to become an entrepreneur. Like, I worked with a bunch of kids who were like, wait a minute, this sucks. I don't want to catch cable cars all day. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to buy a bunch of T-shirts and do screen printing and I'm going to sell them on the boardwalk. Okay, yeah. for that kid. But yeah. it all stemmed from they didn't like the minimum wage experience. So yeah, because it does suck. It is kind of, it can be degrading, yes. You know, but those kids aren't even getting that chance anymore. And to be honest, like, look at you and I. We're essentially, and not essentially, we're independent contractors, right? Yes, we are. And that's it, man. We, we've got to hustle for, our, we got to sing for our supper. Yeah. If we, if we don't have somebody who is who is going to consume our skill set, we're we're out. You know, we can't coast. You can't. You know, like you said, you don't get vacation. I when I now that I bill hourly, it's amazing how much time I must have wasted on a forty hour W two job, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. I did, I did a week's worth of work. In six hours. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I was talking to a friend of mine that works for, a, you know, your typical big defense firm, you know, where they get them paid like a hundred something grand a year or whatever. But, you know, they got a, they got hours they got to meet, you know? Right. And he was talking about the perks of his firm because it basically works out to 40 hours a week you got to bill, which, you know, which is a regular 40 hours for most people. But most firms, I think it works out. A lot of firms, it works out to 50-plus hours a week on average you need to bill. But the thing is, it's not like you're there. Like he was telling me, he's got to put in 60 hours, basically, to get the 40. Right, right. You know, it's like, yeah, when you start – because I need to do that. You know, plaintiff's attorney, most stuff, you know, is contingency. But the longshore stuff you got to do really all about – you know, you got to do the same thing like you're doing where you got to bill your time. Yeah. You know, and then you go through a case because you got to do a fee petition. And you're like, oh, man. You know, and that's when you realize, you know, how much how much time isn't being billed for. You know? Right. Basically, how much time you're doing nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, like, when you tell me, like, when he was telling me, oh, man, we got some good there. I only got to work 60 hours to go 40. To me, that sucks for a while. <laughs> anyway, right. Because right. I'm like, I go in for 40 for 40. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, it's a friggin', but, you know, it's a, it's a fucked up world when you see stuff as a positive, man. No, I only need to work friggin' 50% more to get what I need to get the actual hours that are required to get. <laughs> and here's here's the the problem is that the that's I think what our economy is moving towards, right? When I yeah. came back from Curacao, I said I don't want to work for anybody. I want to live by the beach, and I don't want to work for anybody. I, I can only work for myself. I've learned that. I made the mistake by you know, going I bet to work you there's for lots me. of homeless guys that <laughs> 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 have that. Well, live by the beach and work for no one. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little bit to your point is I never, I had a work ethic. Yeah, but I was never taught how to be an entrepreneur, or how to to be a self. 
uh, you know, a sole proprietor or well, self-starting business yeah. person. That's ma- my other issue too. Trying to sell yourself, you know, finding out where you're. Sub- because obviously, I'd like to do some other job. It's like, what do I qualify for? I don't even know how to present myself to other stuff. But I know there's all kinds of people and stuff that they weren't trained to do. You know. Well, now imagine if you didn't have the work ethic that you you got from working in a mailroom or from yeah. you know whatever whatever menial job that you had. Now you're just basically a lost soul. You know. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. you're a hipster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what this new that's what this generation this the this young coming uh, of age generation these whippersnappers these young whippersnappers they're not they're going to be forced into entrepreneurial and 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 self starting pursuits because that's where the money is going to be because everything else is going to be locked down and um, entry level positions are going to be tied up with folks who have no upward mobility, so therefore they can't get in on the ground floor, and they're going to be pushed. And you kind of see it now. You see kids doing computer science and programming. Yeah. And they're not even finishing college. They're getting jobs that are in high demand. And, like, that's great for somebody who has a skill set that's that narrow. But some of these other kids, like my cousin, um, uh, my mom's youngest brother, has Mom's he's like as a, he's 11 years older than I am. There's a huge age. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, he told me about it. Right? He's got a son who's in his early 20s. Yeah. Super smart kid. What school wasn't for him for whatever reason, but um you know, he's very mechanical and and not lazy, but is one is having a hard time finding a job and two f- an even harder time figuring out what it is he wants to do because he doesn't have that foundation that we had by, yeah. you know, kind of moving up the ranks. So I think there's going to be a lot more. A well, lot you know, in general, like my sister and I were talking about that today because I went to lunch with her because uh, I'll tell you about that. I had to go to a funeral. Oh, but, bummer. Uh, yeah, it's a real bummer. I I'll I'll talk about it because it is something that I would like to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to bring down the whole podcast, but but um, but we were talking about like you know because she's been dating this guy and he's in his thirties, you know, right around her age maybe. You know, she's I guess technically she's three and a half years younger than me or so. You know, I always say four years, but you know, right. she's got an early birthday. Um, about people really not knowing what they want to do still, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I, I mean, I know you're saying that, like, about your cousin, you know, not knowing what he wants to do, but but that's being a path. You know, I mean, do you – I don't really know exactly what I want to do, you know? I sit there at that job. I don't think, like, this is what I want to do, you know? Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm only 39 right now, you know, for – you know, for a month, for another couple of months, maybe, but still, right, right. You know, it's like got a long way to go. You know, so I got to figure it out. It's like I don't see. It's like I'm not going to be doing exactly that for the next thirty years. You know, right. So I think it's just a more common thing, and I think even people. Uh, I mean, I think before us, more so, like my parents, our parents' generation. More so than even ours. Our parents' generation was, no, you go and do this, you know? 
Yeah. You go and you get a job. But those jobs, and even though I guess maybe because we're maybe we're bad mouthing unions and all that. <laughs> But it was more common whoa, whoa, to whoa, have whoa. those things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You got a mouse in your pocket? I'm going to well, play this back. I, I distinctly stood up for unions. <laughs> <laughs> On the record, I want that. Do not whitewash me in with your right wing. Um, you distinctly uh, libertarian stu- distinctly stood up for the firefighters, the police, and the teachers' unions. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yes. All the other ones can go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm saying you used to get those jobs, you know, like like my dad, you know, he was when he left the Navy, I think he was actually already doing it cause when he was in the Navy because the Navy thing was kind of off and on originally. You know, I think it might have been, you know, active reserve before he had to actually go do active duty. I think okay. he already was doing the firefighter work in New Orleans, you know. Yeah. And then when he came back after leaving the Navy, he was a firefighter straight up, you know? Yep. But the problem was he wasn't fully on yet. And then I think part of the issue was they went on strike, the firefighters. And he kind of had to go get another job because he had two mouths to feed, or one mouth to feed and another on the way probably. Right. Uh, and he ended up getting a job with AT&T, you know, because it was paying more. But back then, that's what it was. You got the job, and that's the job he retired from. Yeah, yeah. You know, but that's not so common anymore, you know? No. Those type of institutions like that, you know, for people that that don't have college degrees, you know? Yeah, totally. That's uh, My grandfather became a cop because he got out of the Army, or he was actually in the Navy. Got out of the Navy, and uh, maybe he... uh, I'm pretty sure he ran a diner or some or a, or a luncheonette, but like yeah. wasn't making enough money to support the family. Yeah. And he didn't go to college, but he had this military experience. And at that point, he was too old to go to the police academy, but there was a military exemption. Oh, so yeah, yeah. he took it. And yeah. and that's how essentially he became a cop. You know, but, it's funny you said because the other day uh i was looking at twitter and the mayor of new orleans he had retweeted something about you know about how military vets you know basically automatically get hired on to the police force you know so i was like oh oh, interesting so that you saying that you know yeah which which i think is great because there's a there's a disproportionate number of unemployed combat veterans who come back yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about the ones who are suffering from post-traumatic or, you know, physical injuries. Just guys who have served their, you know, done their tour, come back and 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 can't find a job for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I t- yeah. tell you the truth, man, maybe not so much army cuz I know a couple guys in the military in branches other than the army and they talk shit about the army all the time. They're like, "Nah, they're just a bunch of idiots." But if they were like Marines, I'd hire. When I was hiring people, I would hire college athletes, especially college wrestlers, swimmers, and Division three athletes. Those what are you were- Lucy's? You're hiring wrestlers and swimmers? Because <laughs> those three require a certain set of dedication. 
Yeah. Right? To be a wrestler, to be a swimmer, those are non-revenue sports. You got to get up at five o'clock in the morning. You can't go out at night. You're you you you're watching your weight, etc. And then Division three athletes, come on. Yeah, you're, you're not non-scholarship. Yeah. So I you're doing it for the love of your game. I always found those folks to be the best workers, but now I'd be like, wait, you're in the Marines. You, because I found that the biggest issue that unravels any strategic plan or any ex, uh, any plan that's that is in execution is somebody's inability to handle the stress of the situation. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They make a bad course. decision or they handle the, the client or the customer in the wrong way, etc. Yeah. A marine for Christ's sakes. <laughs> like okay, that's like the definition of being able to handle a stressful situation, you know? And of course, there's guys who aren't going to cut it, like in any profession. Yeah. But um but I'm surprised that there are so many combat veterans that 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 are unemployed. Yeah. You know? And they can't get jobs at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, part of it probably is that you spend so much time being a soldier, you know. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I, there's probably some personality aspects yeah. to it where they're 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 trained or or um, you, you've been trained for one thing for like yeah. so many years, you know. Yeah, they have a, a limited scope uh, in yeah. terms of their their vision or their aptitude. Yeah, it know. does suck though. Um, I mean, I just think it sucks that there's so many veterans. I mean, straight up, you know. Especially in this day and age, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I heard a news report the other day, and this is kind of it's a parallel. It's not necessarily uh, an example, but um, some guy, some Russian national, or or uh, maybe an expat, was arrested by the FBI because um, he was working down in Wall Street. He worked for a big investment bank, and he was doing research on the U.S. economy. Okay. And turns out that he was being funded by whatever the the Russian um, spy syndicate is. Yeah, yeah. KGB anymore, but you know what I mean. But at this day and age, you don't think that it's practical for somebody from Russia to call up somebody in the U.S. government and be like, hey, we got a couple questions about your economy. Yeah. Well, how do you do that? It's a global economy. Yeah, I know. I know. So we need... And what's, I mean, ah, it's crazy, dude. It's no, crazy. I, I mean, I understand terrorism, and I understand that. That's a whole other discussion, and that's a whole other solution. You know what the thing is? You know, I'm against all the bloated government and the wasting amount of money we spend on defense and all of that. You know, like, we spend more than the next seven countries combined or something like that. You know, I think it's the next seven. You know, that's we're number one, and the seven countries behind us and most money spent on defense combined, we spend more than them. How, well, I think, how absurd is that? You know how much more money we spend on the military than China and Russia? Well, I th- it, it, there's some there's some type of stat I think I might I might have it wrong, but it, it's something close, and it's to the effect of 
Largest Air Force in the world is the U.S. Air Force. The second largest Air Force in the world is the U.S. Navy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, that's, uh, I mean, I'm sure that's completely correct because if we're spending more than the next seven countries combined, I mean, and those seven countries in, include Russia and China, which are two of the biggest military countries in the world. Right, okay. And we're severely spending them. I mean, I'm I'm like we spend too much money on that. We shouldn't have these huge, these. We don't need the standing army. Standing by army, I mean all the armed forces. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like of hundreds, about hundreds of thousands of people, you know. But if we're gonna spend the money anyway, you know, we're talking about these guys can't get work. If we're gonna spend the money anyway, let's pull out these people. Let's not let's cut back on the military and the defensemen. Take the same damn money, take two hundred thousand of those guys and spend that money on having doing public projects. Because you know if they're gonna spend it anyway, they might as well spend it on something that we really friggin' need. Or <laughs> you, know? you know where I, I would put them? I would I would bring home and this is this is this could be this could be Trumpian. In terms of of the logic behind it, but I don't know. It's a simple solution, and and that's what I think works the best. Find the simplest solution. So rather than deploy all these troops and have these mobile commands that require all this uh, all this money and all this oversight, bring them back and you eliminate the TSA. Use those same forces where we're we're most vulnerable domestically. Yeah, that's all right. I don't even think we need the whole TSA infrastructure, but our roads and shit are definitely crumbling. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the TSA—that's all security theater, man. Like, come on. I mean, like, just have them build friggin' spend the billions of dollars on that, rebuilding all the roads and the highways and the bridges and everything. They're all ready to collapse. You know? Um, yeah, yeah, but here's a here's a popular myth, it, which is why some of our listeners, especially our Northeastern listeners, might just have turned us off, is because somewhere in high school civics class, we learned up here that... The drinking age is not a federal um, is is not a federal law. No, it's not a federal it's a state law. State law, but the way that they ham fist that law through the state legislatures is tie federal to highway funding. Funds, yes, highway funding, and yeah. the example that they always give is that New Orleans roads are so bad because their drinking age is eighteen. Yeah, but that's a myth. That's BS. Right, 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 right. But that's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. like that's that's why people will have tuned out at this point because that's still that's still the perception. I mean, who was it? Was it South Dakota? That was the state that was involved in the Supreme Court case over that stuff. You know, who was it? Dole, South Dakota versus Dole, which was the fight over tying. The highway funds to the drinking age. You know, that pretty much allowed them to do it, you know? Right, right. But that's how they're doing everything, you know? But but what I'm saying is just spend the money on that. doesn't matter, you know? 
Wouldn't you be happier with that than with having friggin' bases in Germany and South Korea and wherever the hell else all over the world we are, you know? Although, although because we had a base in Germany, I got to visit Germany, so... Uh, Germany aside. <laughs> okay. Okay. Germany but, aside. I but what I'm that. saying is we're spending all this money away. If we're going to spend it and we're going to have all these guys that only know how to do friggin' military stuff and then they go to stupid wars and they fight the wars and then they come back, they can't get work. Let's just make them all construction workers. Let's take half of the damn money that we're spending on defense, which is still a ridiculous amount of money. And let's turn it into that. Turn them into a civilian corps. I know it's very socialist and all that, and it goes against everything I believe in, but I don't think we're ever going to cut back on the amount of money we're spending on defense, so we might as well spend it differently. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know how built the aqueducts and all that stuff, like in Rome? Hello? How? Yeah, I'm here. I, I military was... built all that crap. Yeah, yeah, I was waiting for you to deliver the punchline. I didn't know. You want to do that again? Try it again. <laughs> no, right. just keep it in there. No, it wasn't supposed again. to be. I was like, sure. you know who, you know who built the aqueducts and all these great architectural feats in Rome, right? Who? The military. <laughs> I mean, because that was the point. An idle military is more likely to to get restless and want to do stuff. We have this military, and we're, and what do we do? We just go fight stupid freaking wars. But we don't really need to be fighting all these wars. Let's use them to build shit. All right, now let's try one. Let's try one where <laughs> I don't answer. You just leave the pregnant pause for effect and then answer your own question, okay? Go ahead. Try that now. So go ahead. You know who built the aqueducts and all these other great architectural accomplishments in Rome? The military. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's try one more. Let's try one more where where you ask the question, but I answer it, and then you emphatically. I'll say like exactly. Affirm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. So good. Try that one. Well, you know who built like the aqueducts and all these other great architectural feats in Rome, right? The military. Exactly. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, God, that was great. Printed. What, what, what was Ed Wood? Um, the Johnny uh, Depp Ed Wood movie? I think, yeah. Yeah, I think you would say print it. Yeah. We got it. Print it. Print it. Um, so, anyway. Uh, so anyway. The public affairs program. But I don't know. Do you want to transition away from this? We've been recording for an hour now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that was a that was a pretty deep dive into shit that nobody cares about, including us. So, um, yeah, I know. I don't even know how we got there. We just start bitching. Um, there. If but in to recap, after sixty minutes, there's two things that we know: is that I'm pro teachers union and pro police, and that the military built the aqueducts. If you got at if you got those, I'm two pro things, Girk. I just complain about a lot of stuff. <laughs> Uh, if you got those three things out of this uh, this hour, it was an hour well spent. Um, not that I not that not that I want to bring you down, man. But um, I hate to hear when people have to go to funerals. Yeah, you know, I hate to hear when I have to go to them. Uh, so anyway, uh, well, I guess I'll get to the genesis of it. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you a little background and then get to so like. Back 
You know, it's funny because I was thinking about this, you know, because I was even thinking about it as I was in church today. When you're a little kid, you know, like say somebody who you know for, you know, maybe four or five years while you're a little kid, but you're like very tight friends with them. It seems like it's so long those four or five years, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then years later, maybe you don't speak to him anymore. And then you think you're like, well, I guess we really didn't know each other that long. But it still seems like such a such a big, you know, a quite a duration of time that you knew this person. And I was thinking it's probably because you know, the thing is when you're a little kid, just like even like college, like somebody you might have only really known for two years while you're in college. But it's because you've gone through progress, where you've gone through this growth, you know, that you don't go through anymore once you're past education. You know, once you've graded out, you're just living life. You know, yes, there's other milestones. But when you're little, you know, it's like you're in the fourth grade. Then it's the fifth grade. Then it's the sixth grade. It's always something new, you know. So it is like it feels like it's deeper, you know, and it feels like it's longer, you know, because you've gone through these stages, Right. Um, so anyway, so when I was a kid, you know, um, maybe like in third grade, I met this one guy, Richard. That might have been third grade where we became friends. And then fourth grade, I think he must have been when this guy, Brian, he came to school. My buddy, Brian Schubert. And like Richard and I were very close friends. Richard lived, you know, probably like six blocks away from my house. And Brian, you know, we became good friends, and the three of us were really, really tight friends, you know, up until, you know, and then all the way through, like, to seventh grade, you know. And after seventh grade, that's when the way the system was down here, that's when you would go to your, you'd move on from the Catholic grade school to one of the Catholic high schools, you know. Right. So seventh grade, and, you know, I was really tight with those guys. Like, we were really good friends, always sleeping over together, all these adventures, you know. And I went to Jesuit. Brian actually went to Jesuit. Richard went to Rummel. We knew he was going to Rummel. Rummel was the was the Catholic school in Metairie, you know. Um, whereas Jesuit was one of the New Orleans Catholic schools. Most of them are in New Orleans proper, you know. Right. Um, and... You know, even though, like, the next year, even I tried to stay friends with Richard, but you don't see him too often because you're going to different schools, you know. You're you're kind of transitioning, you know. And I'd hang out with Brian, but then he really didn't like it at Jesuit. He left after one year. I think he might have gone to Rumble. But, you know, I, I remember the next year, it was probably the last time I had a birthday party of any sort. You know, I think I had, like, Brian, Richard, my buddy Colin, and we hung out at my house, you know, got pizza and stuff. It was a birthday party, but it really wasn't a birthday party, you know? Right, right, and pr- right. But it was probably the last one, and I remember just, you know, hanging out, and Brian and Richard were a little different. I remember oh, I remember being, that was like the last time I ever hung out with those guys, you know? Because I was yeah. just like, we're different now, yeah, you know? Yeah. And this is the way it's going to be, and you, and then you, you, like Colin was there. He was the other guy. And I, I stayed friends with Colin because he was in school with me on top of it. You know, he went to Jesuit just like me. So we still hung out, you know, right. whereas those other guys, 
And there were other guys I knew that went to other high schools that I was friends with. But those guys are just went separate and apart, you know? And they stayed really tight friends all the way up until, well, from what I'm learning today, two or three years ago. But they stayed really tight friends. But then to me, it was just like when I'd see those guys, it was always weird. You know, I remember Mari, uh, Mimi was in, Mimi was the same grade as Richard's youngest sister, Kathy. You know, so I remember, and Mari was in, Mari was really good friends with Brian's little sister. Okay. You know, so and Mari stayed really good friends with. So I remember when I go to like certain events, you know, like like the eighth grade graduation and seeing those guys there or whatever. And but it was weird because it's like because at that point I think I was a senior in high school, you know, and I saw those guys there. I was like talking to like old strangers, you know. Yeah. Like, oh hey, you know, so whatever. Years went by and. And I'd maybe see like the guy Richard I'd randomly run into and Brian sometimes I'd run into. But I knew he had a lot of problems through high school. I th- you know, he ended up he ended up going to uh, maybe one of the public schools or something, you know, I think because uh, he, he had a lot of issues. He was always fighting with his father and stuff. Uh, and then like maybe when he was like, I don't know, 19 or 20, he had his girlfriend and he. He knocked her up, and he had a kid. Then he got married a few years later to some other girl, and he had two kids with her. You know, he became a uh, NOPD, New Orleans cop. You know. Okay. And um, and then I saw him a couple. I was at French Quarter Fest. That must have been 2013, I guess it was. And I was, and I went up there, and I met Mimi and Sloan, and um, yeah. Mimi knew Brian, and she was like, oh, Brian's up there. And he was working, you know, a detail at the Natchez during the French Corps Fest, just hanging out, you know, uh, yeah. went and talked to him. And it was very weird because it's like, because it was like talking to a stranger. It was so odd, yeah. you know, at this yeah. point, because I hadn't talked to the guy in forever. At this point, it was very impersonal and weird. Uh, but at that time, I guess, it was right around that time he started, fooling around with some girl who was like 20 or something and he ended up getting her pregnant. I think he must have married her, left the wife, you know, and ended up marrying her. And I think they must have had another kid recently, you know? Okay. So, so now he's got like five kids. Well, like two or three weeks ago, uh, a guy I grew up with who I still talk to occasionally and he didn't go to the same high school as me. Like I'm saying people that, didn't go to the same high school as me that I stayed friends with. But uh, but this guy I've literally known probably since I was two. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Which is insane to know, say you know somebody for 37 to 38 years. Right. Because um, we were like in a play group as babies. We went to the same preschool, same, same kindergarten, same grade school. You know, so I've known this guy freaking since the 70s, which is outrageous. Literally but, since he was in diapers. Yes, 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 yes. And um, he sends me a text. And he's like, you know, I'm at the office. He sends me a text. Did you hear about Brian Schubert? And when you get a text like that, you know it's going to be something bad. Right. You know? And I'm like, no, what happened to Brian Schubert? And he said to me, you know, blah, blah, blah. Apparently he... Uh, apparently he's dead. Apparently he might have killed himself. 
and he was getting all this information because his his brother-in-law is a New Orleans cop, you know, so they got the they got a, an email, you know, I guess when a cop dies, you know, you get an email blast, you know. Right. To all the other police officers. Uh, and there's some other stuff he told me. We don't need to talk about that. But, um, like, interesting details. I was like, oh. So, I remember he told me, I was going back and forth one time because I was like, what? And he's telling me what happened as far as he knows. And I remember just being like, man, that kind of sucks. I mean, because it's like, yeah, I haven't really talked to the guy in more than 25 years, substantively. But... I mean, it makes me really sad because I used to be best friends with this kid, you know? Yeah. And no, I, I get it, man. While you're telling that whole story, I'm, I'm substituting a name in my head from a kid that I grew up with. Second grade. Uh, he's my best friend. We play baseball together. As we go through middle school, um, yeah. you know, we got a little... A little further apart, but he would still. I'd, if you asked me who my best friend was, I'd, I'd tell you it was him. And then I went to CBA, and he went to 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 Jackson, and he w- was a little pissed about that. Yeah. And if even if he wasn't pissed, it would have been hard enough to maintain a friendship. And I did, you know, did the quick math in my head. I'm eight years old in second grade, and when you know, what am I? Fourteen? When I go to high school, it's six years. Yeah, yeah. You know? It doesn't sound like that long. But when you experience it, it's significant, you know? And so much so that, like, a couple years ago I had heard that um, that he was having some some family issues. Yeah. With his, with his parents and his siblings and they're, like, maybe they weren't speaking or something had happened. And I was like, what? That can't happen. Like, what? No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. What's going on here? But if I had seen him... I wouldn't be like, hey, man, you know, you okay? Everything cool? I'd be like, so, what's going on? Yeah, you know? like like you were talking to a stranger. Right, totally. Yes, and this it's... day, if I saw him, he lives in, um, I don't know, somewhere else now. North Carolina was the last time I had gotten uh, a, yeah. a report on him. But uh, if I had, if he was home in Jersey and I had and I saw him on the boardwalk, I might, like, pull my hat down and... And try to avoid him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, There's a kid who, who I would have considered my best friend up yeah. until, you know, I get to college. Well, I mean, well, today, like, we didn't even know if they were going to, everything was so secretive, you know? Because, for one, you know, when a guy kills himself, you know, it's like you don't really, you know, people aren't dying to, you know, I mean, they, they had two children, him and Aaron, you know, this... You know, I mean, I think they weren't dying to tell everybody, hey, come on out, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, like, we didn't even know what was... So, I mean, there were thoughts that there wasn't going to be anything, you know? Right. Because Mimi, you know, for some reason, she's... Mari's the one who's good friends with me, with Aaron, you know? Who was, like, really good friends with her growing up and everything, you know? And still talks to her. Every now and then, they still go and have lunch once every six months or something, you know? Okay. But but Mimi was getting in touch with her about, uh, is anything going on? And and she was basically like, no, nothing's going to be going on, you know? Uh, but then 
a few days ago, I guess, Aaron got in touch and was like, oh, well, we're going to do a memorial uh, service, you know, because his body was cremated, you know, at St. Catherine, which is the church that, you know, that was our school, you know, in the neighborhood Catholic school that I went to. Right. So I went down there today. I mean, I didn't know what to expect. It was going to be kind of weird for me anyway, you know. But I went down there with my mom and my two sisters for like the, uh, we were just going to go for the visitation. Mimi was like, oh, I'm going to stay for the mass. But I was like, I don't want to stay for the mass, you know. But then we got down there and eventually, you know, it was like, well, I guess we might as well just stay for the mass at a certain point, you know, because it seemed awkward to walk out at that point, you know. Right. Like I went and saw the parents and said whatever, you know, gave my condolences to him. But when we first got there, you know, we see Aaron and Mari goes up and she's like, Aaron, and Aaron, Aaron's like, oh, hey, man. She's like, you made the slideshow, you know? She's like, it's a picture. I don't know how old y'all are. We're probably like 11. He was, he was short. He was a very, when we were kids, I mean, he was, he was always short, you know, but he got bigger later, like, uh, you know, girthier, but he was, but he was still short. When right. we were little, he was always short. And apparently the picture was him on my shoulders, you know? Okay. And, uh, she's like, you made the slideshow. So I was like, Oh, cool. You know, that's, that's kind of cool. And, you know, they had pictures frames set up everywhere. And, uh, and then I went over, they had a little, a little MacBook set up with the slideshow on it. And I was trying to wait to see the picture you know, you got to wait for it to go through. And I never saw it. And then my mom and Mari and them, they're like, come on. You know, I was like, what? And they they want to go talk to his mother, you know. They want me to come up there with them. I'm like, I want to see the slideshow, you know. And they're like, but they didn't want to. My mom wanted me to go up with them. I was like, oh, all right. So uh, I went up there with them. I never saw the picture. And then I came back. Uh, you know, right before the mass began, I was like, oh, wait, I want to go see the slideshow. And I went and they took the computer away. I was like, oh, that sucks. You know, it was kind of a bummer, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But next to it, they had like this jar about memories, you know, share memory. And I'd written something down about the three of us hanging out and how those such good memories. But I, I didn't think I'd get emotional. But when I hugged his mom, you know, and... You know, and I was, she's like, oh, he, she made a comment about the picture of him being on my shoulders. And I was like, yeah, it was like, that. And I was like, that. those are some of the best memories of my life, you know, like when I was a kid. And it's, it's a small, it's an eighth of my life, basically, the times, the years that I was friends with that kid, right. that I was tight friends with that. But it's still very significant because it's when you're a kid. Well, and it's so funny because uh, you know I can appreciate the the sentiment behind it because those are the the most formative years. Yes, exactly. You're going through all these changes. Yes, of course, man. You know these stages in life, and that's why it seems like it's so long because every year is different. It's yeah. not like now where it's oh this is my fifth year of work here. Oh now my sixth year of work. Well, it's the same fucking job, you know. It's not like now it's your sixth year. You're gonna be doing algebra. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're still doing the same damn job. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you know, a good example is is um, like my uh, your freshman year roommate. Yeah. You know, like 
that's a, you spend on an hourly basis. You're, you're spending a large chunk of time with that person, whoever that person is. Yeah. Right? But if you had heard that your freshman year roommate had passed away, uh, depending on your relationship with him, if it was just the normal average freshman year roommate who you lived with and then probably didn't keep in touch with, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you you get a little depressed or you're a little retrospective, etc. But like somebody that you grew up with, regardless of the last time you talked to them, yeah. they're imprinted. Yep. You know, they're imprinted on you. You can't, you know, you can't, yeah. there's, there's no, there's no getting around it. So yeah, I mean, bummer, I was man. sitting there and, and then I saw Richard in one of the pews and I talked to him a little bit, you know, and he was telling, you know, a lot, so many of the pictures, Richard was still in them, even like on vacations with him. Cause he was that close. They would go on vacations with the fam, you know, with his family and Richard would be there, you know? And yeah. he's like, I was like talking. He's like, well, I don't know. I haven't really talked to him in two years or so, ever since he got with the new girl, basically, you know? So he didn't even know what was going on. No one really knows what led to this. And talking about like how much it sucks, you know, the finality, you know? It's like, you know, people die, you know, people get cancer and they die and it sucks and it's terrible. But like suicide, it's like, man, it's. You know, it just happens, you know, and it's like, it sucks because had someone just known, you know, you could have gotten around this, you could have got over it, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, at least like, you know, suicide isn't gradual, it's something somebody just does, you know, unlike a cancer or something where at least you'll have a grieving time, you know, if you want to say something to say somebody, you know? Yeah. And and then I'm sitting there in church and and I'm thinking about all kinds of other things that it's gone through, you know. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about shit in my own head, you know. Uh, I mean, at one point I'm thinking about the whole idea of the way the church service goes, and thinking about when I used to be an altar boy and all that. But the but the other thing I was really thinking, I was like, man. And as I left there, I was like, this is like officially like the death of my childhood almost, you know? Yeah. It's like, man, even if I wanted to get back, like, hey, you know, I know we were really good friends. We haven't hung out anymore, you know? Sort of like the, it's almost like the end of the scene, and the the last scene, Stand By Me, with Richard Dreyfus. you know? It's like, well, I don't know what became of this guy. Oh, he got killed doing this, you know? It's like, these people who you spend such an important part of your life that seems like the most important thing in the world because you're 11 at the time doing it. Yeah. You know, they're just they're just footnotes 25, 30 years later. It's freaking crazy. Yeah, it is, really. Yeah. So that was kind of a bummer, you know, and and it is it's it is terrible, man, but it did it did shake me up a little bit because it, it really was some of the best times of my life. You know, I think of really good memories. I think of a lot of that, you know? Yeah, of course, man. Of course. That is, uh, that's a bummer. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So that. I just wanted to get that off because I, I need to talk about it. You know? Yeah, of course, man. Of course. I mean, this is probably our most, um, serious episode from, subject matter previous to that i guess yeah 
Uh, which is which is funny because I usually, whenever somebody asks me or, or I'm in a in a conversation with somebody, um, and they're like, "Hey, what are you doing tonight?" I'm like, "Oh, I got to go do my podcast," and it happens to be a podcast night. Um, I say, "I got to go do my podcast," and they're like, "Oh, I can't wait till it comes out. It's gonna be really funny." And I said, "That's gonna suck." Cause I can yeah, tell what kind of mood I'm in, you know. And and they say, "Well, you always say that." And uh, and it's always funny. So I was texting. Uh, I texted Ange um, today, and she had texted me back. And I was like, "All right, listen, um, I got to get going. I got my podcast, but um, this one's really gonna suck." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for some reason, she believed me. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess it's a self fulfilling prophecy. I, I, I wouldn't say sucks. I, mean, I, I don't think it sucks. I, I, I mean, it sucks if you're coming for the comedy. That that's what I mean <laughs> yeah. when I say that. I mean, like it's you know, it's not a. a Thanks for trampling all over my emotions. Man. <laughs> oh, it sucks. We're gonna listen to him whining about his childhood friend dying. Uh, no, I generally enjoy. Um, it, they don't come very often, but I generally enjoy these particular uh, podcasts or the themes of of these particular podcasts yeah. because uh, one, I don't talk about this stuff regularly at all. Yeah, and um, I know. So, from my perspective, I enjoy being able to talk about it. But more importantly, I know how valuable it is when you got something on your mind to be able to kind of have an outlet for it. So from yeah. your perspective, I, I know that it's cathartic. So <coughs> it's a double, it's a, it's a win. Well, I would have felt like it was wasted had I not talked about it tonight. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so what I'd like to do, unless you got anything else, but I think that's a poignant, uh, uh a yeah, poignant we can get off right. and just look forward to the renovated carrier dome. But what I would like to do, though, is I'd like to sign off. But um, if 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 you could uh, regale us with the tale of the of the um, Charlestown Memorial Day miracle. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. I'd yes. appreciate that. So let's sign off first. Let's say goodbye, and then leave it in a very, uh, you know, a very "Twas the Night Before Christmassy" type <laughs> of uh, of uh, of fashion. So uh, then, on that note, my friend. <laughs> On that note, with apologies to Kirk's brother, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Good night, Fredo. All right. Well, I mean, it was probably Memorial Day 2004, 2005, whatever it was. You know, I used to have a bus pass when I lived in Charlestown because I used to take the Bunker Hill Street bus, which took me straight downtown to my job every morning. Well, one of the little perks of the bunk, of the of a uh, T pass, you know, in general, because it was all the T system, you know, whether it was the subway, bus, or whatever, the pass has always allowed you to bring somebody on with you at no cost on Sundays and on holidays, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so this is like it is Memorial Day. I get. I don't even know if it was Memorial Day proper or the Sunday before. You know, right? Whatever the case is, I was like, "Well, screw it." I was gonna hop on the bus. I was gonna go somewhere in the city and just do whatever. I don't know what I was doing. You know, I don't know if I was going down to meet Brian. I don't know, but it was middle of the day, and I get on, 
and there's a lady she's getting on to, and she's got a stroller with a child, you know, with a baby, and they don't charge for the babies. You know, she's getting on, and she's, and the, the bus driver's waiting for her, and she can't find money. And I was like, and I said, I was like, I was like, she's with me. Because <laughs> 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 I had to pass. And the, and the bus driver's like, all right, going through. And she's like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, just in time with the holiday and everything. <laughs> Just find it so preposterous, you know, like it was like as if it was like Christmas in the spirit of the season, you know? It's, it's like a, a Memorial, Memorial Day, Day miracle. miracle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and wow. nothing was under our Memorial Day tree. And then we came <laughs> down and it was <laughs> replete with gifts from all over. You know, like <laughs> Like how many great Memorial Day movies do they have right. that have that that don't involve friggin' John Wayne mowing down people? You know? <laughs> Brian bought you. Brian bought you a a, a beer mug for your Coors Lights, but yeah. you sold the Coors Lights to be able to buy him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hello, Henry yeah, they, uh, what did Memorial Michael bring you this year? You know, whoever the the whoever's created for Memorial Day, you know? Uh, good times, man. Good yeah, times. That's funny. So hopefully we'll have a Memorial Day miracle this weekend at some yes, point. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, brother. We'll enjoy it. Have fun. Yeah. Get after thanks. it. It's the um, official start of summer here yep, in New Jersey. And the Greek Fest is this weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. It's one of my favorite festivals because Greek food is so good. It is. Yep, and I always like the roasted lamb. Uh, Enjoy your holiday. You know, don't go – don't lose a bunch of money betting on the Indianapolis 500. (laughs) (laughs) As I'm apt to do. Yes. As I'm apt to do. I thought Team Ray Hall had it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Happy Memorial Day. Yeah, happy Memorial Day, brother. Later. Later.